Hello again, friends. Pastor Lowell here with our Return to Rome series. This is number 27. Let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, again we thank you for the privilege to be living at end time. We want to live for you and all that we do and plan and most of all help us to be preparing for heaven. Bless as we study today in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in section 5, Return to Rome, a common enemy when God's people are hated. And we define the word fundamentalism, a form of a religion, especially Islam or Protestant Christianity, that upholds belief in the strict literal interpretation of Scripture. We saw how that eventually those who are still holding to a strict literal interpretation of Scripture will be hated by the world. And Seventh-day Adventists traditionally for decades have been known for being people of the book. However, in recent times, there has been an undermining of biblical authority, especially in the area of women's ordination, women in ministry. And we asked the question last time, does the Bible allow women to have a headship role in the home or in the church? Some say yes, some say no. We wanted to find out what the Bible says. So we're looking at the no text, and we have already looked at two. Genesis 3, 8 through 10, and then Genesis 3, 16 and 17, where God said to Eve, after sin, He, Adam, shall rule over thee. And that word rule means to have dominion over, to be governor, or to reign over. Ellen White, in the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 59, says Eve had been perfectly happy by her husband's side in her Eden home. But like restless modern Eves, she was flattered with the hope of entering a higher sphere than that which God had assigned her. In attempting to rise above her original position, she fell far below it. A similar result, Ellen White says, will be reached by all who are unwilling to take up cheerfully their life duties in accordance with God's plan. In their efforts to reach positions for which he has not fitted them, many are leaving vacant the place where they might be a blessing. Of course, we understand where that place is. For women, where they might be a blessing is in the home as mother, raising godly children. Continuing, Ellen White says in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 59, in their desire for a higher sphere, many have sacrificed true womanly dignity and nobility of character and have left undone the very work that heaven appointed them. And we understand that work that heaven appointed them is to be raising children for heaven. And unfortunately, more and more women are leaving that job to the maid, the helper, or the TV, which is probably worse. So there you have two texts. Let's move on to a third text, and that is Exodus 28, verse 1. And I'm not going to look up all these texts. You can just mark them down. In fact, maybe I'll post them so you'll have them. These are the no texts. Exodus 28, verse 1, we see that the priests in Israel's time were all men. 
we understand that in pagan religions they had women priestesses, but not in God's economy. In the Hebrew system, all priests were men. And then the fourth text is Numbers 12, 1 and 2, where we find Miriam accusing Moses of taking all the headship upon himself. And you know what happened to Miriam as a result of that. The fifth text is Numbers 30, verses 1 through 8, and verse 13, which I want to read for you. Numbers 30, verses 1 through 8 says, And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. So who commanded this? It says, The Lord hath commanded. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord, and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, and her father hear her vow and her bond wherewith she hath bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her. That me simply means the father will, doesn't say anything. He holds his peace. He doesn't speak. If he doesn't say anything, then the text says, Then all her vows shall, be, shall stand, and every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. But if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth, not any of her vows or her bonds wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. And the Lord shall forgive her because her father disallowed her. And then it says, verse 6, And if she had at all an husband when she vowed or uttered aught out of her lips wherewith she bound her soul, and her husband heard it and held his peace at her in the day that he heard it, in other words, he heard her make this vow, but he didn't say anything, he didn't respond. Then her vow shall stand, and her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. Verse 8 says, But if her husband disallow her on the day that he heard it, then he shall make her vow which she vowed, and that which she uttered with her lips, wherewith she bound her soul, of none effect. And the Lord shall forgive her. That's just verses 1 through 8. Now verse 13 says, Every vow and every binding oath to afflict the soul, her husband may establish it, or her husband may make it void. So clearly, who is God making the head of the home in these texts? For a woman, if she's in her father's home, then her father is the head of the household, the head of the family. and She must abide by his decisions. If she is moved out and is living with her husband, then we can clearly see the husband is the one under God that is to be the head of the home, either verifying her vows by saying nothing or disallowing her vows by doing so. That was Numbers 30, verses 1 through 8 and verse 13. That was the fifth text. Let me move to the sixth text. This is on the no side against women's ordination. And that's Esther 1, 16 through 20. You know the story. It's when King Ahasuerus called for Vashti to come in. She refused to come in before all the princes. And so his advisor said, if you don't do something, then all the women of Persia are going to despise their husbands. 
So she, he was advised, the king was advised to put her out of being queen, lest the women of Persia not honor their husbands. Now the, the seventh text is Luke 6, verse 13, where we find Jesus choosing 12 disciples. And you know that all 12 disciples were men. Then the eighth text on the no side is Acts 1, 21 through 23, where we find two men being selected to replace Judas, who had betrayed the Lord and committed suicide, so they would still have 12 apostles. And you know that two men were picked, and they were to cast lots between these two men. Now, of course, in our modern uh, world, where equality, people are campaigning for equality between men and women, they would say, well, let's have a man and let's have a woman, and then we will vote between the two. But in Bible times, to replace one of the twelve disciples, two men were given, and they cast lots between the two of them. Now the ninth text is from the writings of Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. This is another one that I'd like to read. For our listeners, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, Paul says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now that word head, according to Barnes' commentary, the head in the scriptures is designated often to denote master, or ruler, or chief. Barnes' commentary says, And the head of the woman is the man. The sense is she is subordinate to him, and in all circumstances in her demeanor, her dress, even in dress, women were to look different from men, her conversation in public and in the family circle should recognize her subordination to him. This is Barnes' commentary on this passage from Paul. And then Barnes' commentary says the particular thing here referred to is that if the woman is inspired and speaks or prays in public, she should by no means lay aside the usual and proper symbols of her subordination. The danger was that those who were under the influence of inspiration would regard themselves as freed from the necessity of recognizing that and would lay aside the veil, the usual and appropriate symbol of their occupying a rank inferior to the man. This is Barnes' commentary. And you understand, according to Paul, the veil, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 15, was a woman's long hair. That was to be the distinction between men and women. And then Barnes' commentary says, This was often done in the temples of the pagan deities by the priestesses. And it would appear also that it had been done by Christian females in the churches where they were setting aside the subordination and they were exercising headship or lordship over or preeminence over the men. So Paul clearly says that the head of the woman is the man. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3. There you have nine verses. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. Genesis 3, 16 and 17, Exodus 28, 1, Numbers 12, 1 and 2, Numbers 30, 1 through 8 and verse 13, Esther 1, 16 through 20, Luke 6, 13, Acts 1, 21 to 23, and 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. There's nine verses, <laughs> but we're not done. Let me add now nine more verses. Most of these are from the writings of Paul. In fact, the next nine verses, all but one of them is from Paul. 
And since we just had one from our last list of nine verses, then we recognize that half of the note texts come from one inspired author, and that's Paul. And it's always amazing to me, liberal scholars, they love to quote Paul when it comes to grace. Or you don't have to do anything in salvation. So certainly we can't earn our salvation, but we also know that you can't disobey God willfully and be saved too. But the liberal scholars, they love Paul when it comes to grace, those things, but they hate Paul when it comes to women's ordination. They say Paul, he was just, he didn't have a wife, so he was kind of against women. Uh, they come up with all these reasons why Paul spoke against women taking headship in the church. But we understand that Paul was inspired by God. So let's move to our next text from Paul, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 to 37. Paul says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, for they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. We'll come back and comment on that. Reading on, Paul says, And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. This is what Paul says. And then he says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, for they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. What law? Is this text saying that women should never speak in church? Should women not preach? Should they not teach in church? Should they not lead Sabbath school? Well, we'll come back and answer that next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your inspired word. We pray that you would help us to live by every word that proceedeth out of your mouth. And even in the aspects of church order, we pray that you would give us the grace and the wisdom to follow your inspired word and to understand it. Bless us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Lowell here saying to each of you, God be with you until we meet again.